You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, you are our Father. We are your children. We ask that you would now give us your bread of life, uh, that we might eat of you and be satisfied. We ask this in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, what hope do we have in these tricky times? What word of encouragement does the Bible have for us? With so much political and social turmoil, there are plenty of things that we can be anxious about. With no escape from the unstoppable marching of time that is slowly guiding us all towards an inevitable death, life can often feel quite hopeless. This hopelessness can lead us to anxiety and ultimately to despair. Why should we even try if we're all going to die in the end? Well, this is where 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18 comes in, where God shines into our darkness, declaring that death is not the end, but that there is hope. So listen to me, with, listen to me of verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. God doesn't want the Thessalonians or you and I to be uninformed about those who are asleep, that is, those who have died. And the reason for this is so that they don't grieve like people who have no hope. This doesn't mean that we become stoics in the face of pain and suffering and that we shouldn't grieve at all. We should still grieve over the pain and suffering of this life, just as Jesus did at the death of his friend Lazarus, just as he did at the city of Jerusalem. Because as we wait for the Lord to return, we still feel the bitterness of death. We still grieve the loss of relationships. But our grieving does not have to lead to despair, because we have hope that death is not the final word in our lives. So what is this hope? What is our hope? Well, listen to verse 14. It says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Our hope is that in the same way that God raised Jesus from the dead, he will also raise up those who have already died. Our hope then is not is that not even death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The good news of Jesus Christ is not only that he died for our sins, but that God raised him up from the grave, has seated him at his right hand, and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. See, we worship a God who is in the business of bringing life out of death, of bringing light out of darkness, of raising people from death to life. This is God who did it with Jesus. He did it when he saved you and me. So how much more can he raise those who have died already? Well, how will this happen? This is what we see in verses 15 through 17. In verses 15 and 16, we read that, The Lord, that is Jesus Christ, will descend from heaven with a cry of command, 
with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then in verse 17, the living and the resurrected dead will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And from this day onward, we will be with Jesus forever. Our meeting with the Lord will be permanent. And it's on this day that our faith shall be sight. It's very tempting to focus all of our time and attention and energy on trying to understand just when this will occur and what, what exactly it's going to look like. I know for me, you know, I really hope this, this means that we'll get to fly around in the clouds, uh, unaided by technology, kind of like Peter Pan in Neverland. But let's not get distracted by the details of how and when the Lord will return and miss the point of what God is trying to tell us here. Paul hasn't written this so that we can get our calendars out and and pick a day when we think Jesus will return. The reason for his writing is in verse 18, which says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul has written this so that even when we see death all around us, we might encourage one another with the hope of the resurrection. We talk about this resurrection every Sunday when we say it in the creeds that we believe in the resurrection of the dead or the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. But what encouragement is there for us in the resurrection? What difference does the resurrection make not only to our theology but to our practice? Not just in your head but how does the reality of the resurrection change your life? Going from your head into your heart, giving you hope for the future and into your hands, changing changing the way you live in the here and now. Well, I want to offer a few ways the resurrection gives us hope and changes the way we think, feel, and act. First, as I've been saying, the resurrection gives us hope of one day being with Christ. Something we need to remember is that the hope of the Christian life is not that we will one day escape from this earth and float around in the clouds with the cherubim, though that might be what I want to do. We're not trying to escape the physical. We're not Gnostics who believe that matter is evil and that spirit is good. Rather, we're heading towards a glorious future with our Saviour. Where that scene in Revelation 7, which Cameron spoke to us about last week, will be a reality. When we will be gathered around God's throne praising the Lamb who was slain. And we get a foretaste of that reality, an appetizer of heaven as we gather each Sunday, as God's chosen people gathered around his word, praising our crucified, risen and reigning Lord Jesus. The goal is not to escape, but reconciliation to God in Christ Jesus. See, fellowship with God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit is the meaning of life. It's the point, it's the goal, and it's the hope that we will one day be fully reunited with him again. The problem that we face, though, is that sin separates us from God. Sin distorts our desires so that we worship and seek fulfillment in the things of this life rather than in our creator and source of life. But God, who is rich in love and mercy, sent his Son to be a once-for-all sacrifice so that that penalty for sin would be paid for in order that we might be reconciled back to him. 
once again able to have fellowship and communion with God. This is the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ, that God saves sinners, that he takes the penalty that we deserve so that our sin would be dealt with, so that we could be reconciled back to God. And this reconciliation is a now but not yet reality, for we are reconciled now with God spiritually. The Bible says that we are a new creation, we are citizens of heaven, that we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. But we are still not yet reconciled with God physically. We're still waiting for that spiritual reality to become a physical reality. And the good news of Christ's resurrection from the dead is that Jesus did not stay dead and buried, but God raised him to new life, conquering over sin and death, for death could not hold him down. And through Jesus' resurrection, God has set the future in motion, and he's appointed a day when Jesus will return and bring about the redemption of all creation. Jesus' resurrection is not just a theological idea. It's a moment in history which secures the reality of his second coming and the hope that we will one day be with him forever. It gives us a preview of the future, a glimpse of what is to come, an assurance that if God can raise him from the dead, then surely he can raise us also when he returns. The resurrection is a window into the power of God and proof that he is able to do what he has promised. And so what, be, what is being affirmed here is that neither the Christian dead nor the Christian living will be left behind or excluded or disadvantaged in any way when Jesus returns. And this brings us to the second way the resurrection gives us hope. The resurrection gives us hope of being reunited with our loved ones. There'll be a day when we are in physical fellowship, not only with our Saviour, but also with those who have died in Christ. You don't have to despair over the death of your mother or your father, your sister or your brother, your child or your grandchild, as though death has won. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so also through Jesus, God will raise up those who have died when he returns. Now, this is something I realise that I don't think about enough regarding the resurrection. When I think about my late uncle or my grandparents who have died in Christ, I mostly grieve that I don't get to see them anymore. I don't ever think about the reality that I'll see them again when Christ returns. That one day I'll hear my uncle's crazy laugh again and hear him humming that song that was stuck in his head that day. That I'll get to hug my grandparents again and, and tell them how much I've missed them. Because, because Christ has been raised from the dead, death is not the end for those who have already died. But we have hope that those who believe the promises of God will be raised to new life and we will see them again. Finally, the resurrection gives us hope for the future of this country and of this world. For in the resurrection we know that one day all things will be made right. We can sometimes get caught up in trying to fix the world by our own strength. We forget that God has already got a plan to do that. So we don't have to worry about the future. God has got it. He's in control. Nothing from this week, from this year, from this world has taken him by surprise. 
he has appointed a day when he will make all things new, when Jesus will return to redeem the world, bringing unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This doesn't mean that we just give up on the world, though, and leave everyone alone. No, we have a mission. And our mission is to point to the reality that Jesus is Lord, that he is coming again. Our mission is to be a light to the world, a city on a hill. And we do this in two ways, through word and through deed. We're called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, witnessing to the love that God has for the world through him and to the hope that we have of his return. And as we tell people about Jesus, we're called to love our neighbour. We are to direct people through our love for one another to the reality of God's love for the world in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So as verse 18 says, we are to encourage one another with these words. The people who need the encouragement are not just your Christian brothers and sisters, but those who are in the world without God and without hope. We can encourage the world by telling them that because Jesus has been raised, death has been defeated, sin has been dealt with, and we have hope that one day we too will be raised to new life to be with him. Because Jesus has been raised, we have hope. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because we know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did not leave Jesus in the grave, but that you raised him on the third day to new life. And that... From that, we have hope that he'll one day return and raise us also. Help us now as we live in this world and as we wait for his return to wait patiently, witnessing to the world the love that you have for them in Christ Jesus. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.